Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and blessings and welcome to you can another installment of the Gist of Freedom Estate. This show is produced by acclaimed historian, educator, and author Leslie Gist and serves as our weekly live online discussion to celebrate the African-American experience by honoring all the people, past and present, black and white, who with faith and focus are preserving our rich history through literature, the arts, the skilled trades, and the humanities. We thank you for joining us tonight, and we'd love you to be a part of tonight's discussion by calling in with your comments or questions to 347-324-5552. Before we get started, just a public service announcement that today's sponsor is Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. You can listen to their audiobooks whenever and whenever you want and get a free book when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at www.audiobooksblackhistory.com. That's www.audiobooksblackhistory.com. Hello, Leslie. I appreciate it very much. Um, I'm just, a, like you said, I appreciate the welcome, too. Um, I just got into um, blogging online because I realized how much I don't know about my history. So I thought this was an avenue that I could share my thoughts and share some of the thoughts of my readings over the course of learning about my history with others and see how that takes with other people. I'm originally from uh, Washington, D.C. I was born and raised here, and um, I currently work for the federal government um, doing... uh, I just do logistical support, things like that. But I am very concerned about our history and how we're being taught. So that's why I started to do what I do on, over the Internet. Okay, let's start off with something that's really interesting. You taught me about a young man named Dr. Umar Johnson. And what I read, yes, he's a direct descendant of Frederick Douglass. Tell the audience more about um, Dr. Johnson. Well, I don't know him personally. I've I've listened to a few YouTube videos of him. I've um, read a couple of his literatures. From what I understand, and, and what got me more involved into looking into him is that he is trying to open up a um, a, a all black male school, um, specifically focused on males. From what as I know at this time, um, I think he has something in the works for black females. And um, as far as his videos, I know he's a professor, and he studies uh, the mind of black youth and black people. He's dealing with relationships and different things like that. And specifically uh, about the Post, uh, he was dealing with um, basically about propaganda and the warfare on, on black people. What is your take on... This this warfare on black people, and from everything that he said, and I watched the video and I thought it was very good. What do you think about well, it? Well, my well, my take on it is that um, we as a people are are constantly bombarded with uh, information from outside sources that we don't know of, so. Looking at it from a person that doesn't have a background in 
in psychiatry or how that affects the mind, to listen to him talk and explain to me uh, why these things are affecting us or my mind, whether consciously or subconsciously, plays a part in the overall and how we react to different things. Just earlier today, I was looking at a at a post that I posted. Um, it was a black family on a U-Haul truck, but the black family didn't have the black man. It was only the black woman and the black. It was a uh, black boy and a black girl, but it didn't have a black father. Um, I did. I would otherwise. I wouldn't have. If I had not been studying this particular topic, I wouldn't have noticed. But I've noticed it at that time. I posted it, and um, it, it was just it's, it's little things like that, things that we really don't realize that we take for normal, and we subconsciously internalize those things. And I think we've seen the results of it. We're acting it out. We think that's normal. I know exactly what you're talking about. Someone posted a similar post about, I think it was a Pampers commercial, and mm-hmm. the one um, advertising had the white woman, the white husband, apparently, and the white baby. But for the black advertisement, post. they had the black woman and just the black baby. And <laughs> right. I was like, oh, my gosh. So Ellen, I was happy to see that so many black people were offended and so many of us, um, you know, uh, tweeted and used Facebook and social media to say just how offended we are because um, they are using the media. It is subconscious. It is subliminal to mainly our youth to say this is your norm. This is who you are. So when we have people like you, the millions of ordinary folks versus the few celebrities, a small percentage of celebrities, when we are involved and we're actively engaged, um, it does make a difference in our community, and um, that is what inspires me to do what I do, um, to negate all the negative um, stereotypes, not just in the classroom and in textbooks, but as you just mentioned, throughout media um, and advertisement. Um, now, there's a quote I listened to um, Dr. Uh, Johnson say. He said, Hitler used propaganda military camp, using propaganda military campaign before he began to physically exterminate the Jewish people. The national mindset had to be conditioned to accept the extermination to come. What do you think about that quote? I think um, he is right on point. Um, I, uh, I know he's talking specifically about military warfare and propaganda being used as a as a form of military engagement. Um, and what we've been brought up being, uh, I went to an early, I went to a military academy growing up as a uh, when I was in elementary school. But the one of the forms of things that we realize when I'm going to that school is that we're taught that the media is a full form of the military. So anytime that there's a war that's about to take place, there has to be a propaganda to take place first because we need to win the hearts and minds and souls of not only the people at home but uh, abroad. So when we went to Afghanistan, there was a a propaganda campaign to take place on the people here in the United States. Currently, there's a propaganda campaign taking place here in the United States with regards to what's going on in Israel. If you see anything, anytime you turn on the news, you will not see with any of the major outlets 
any news uh, reportings done from a Palestinian outlook. It will only be from an Israeli outlook. So the propaganda campaign is well taking place well before we even realize it. So he was definitely on point when he stated that. I agree with you. Talking about um, international news um, and the Palestinians, um, the news just reported recently, the last couple of weeks, that three um, Israel boys uh, were um, murdered by the were acute were murdered by allegedly by the Palestinians, and as you know, the mainstream media they really picked up on the um, on the, on the um, the news story, but they failed to give the same attention to the 234 black girls who were um, kidnapped in Nigeria. Could you expand mm-hmm. on those thoughts? Yeah, um, that that was a tough one. That was a tough one to swallow. Um, I I thought there were a a lot of um, they, they were playing on a lot of the hearts and minds of the Americans, and they were playing on a um, it it was baffling to see that uh, we were giving so much attention to uh, uh, an aspect of society that really has been ongoing. I'm not doubting that that probably did not happen, but what I do say is that we gave a lot of attention on what was going on over there, and we currently have a civil war going on here. I mean, we have a war going on in Detroit. Um, uh, It's of historic proportions. Uh, We got people going without water, getting turned off. Girls and male are being murdered in the streets. It's a catastrophe, but... Uh, for some reason, the media chose to focus on that aspect. Um, the ISIS, is, that's what we were talking about, right? The game? Right. ISIS? Okay. And the media chose to focus on the, the ISIS situation. I've done uh, a little bit of research on the ISIS situation, but I, you know, I... You know, anytime something a catastrophe take place, I <clears throat> want to say that I give my condolences and I feel sorry if it does happen. But we do, and we cannot ignore what's going on currently here. We have people that are being murdered in the streets. I mean, just the other day, Chicago, you know, what there was 15 people murdered. I mean, and not a word spoken. So I I don't know for whatever reason the media chose to hone in on that. I definitely want to give a side eye to it, but and you know, take a deeper look into that. Well, when you talk about um, domestic terrorism and in the black neighborhood, what kind of solutions uh, would you propose to combat what's happening with the, the killings in our neighborhood? Well, um, what? What I like to say is that we probably need to get back to an African-centered mindset. And by that I mean that we need to start looking at things in a in a in a cultural perspective. We we have gotten out of our out of our way of life. Um we need to number 1 control our thoughts. We need to control our action. 
we need to be steadfast in the things that we do. Um, we need uh, we need to have confidence um, and confidence in our own ability. I think that uh, it's a, it's a that is a very tough question when we're talking about solutions because we have a lot of people that do say a lot of things and there isn't a lot of solutions coming from outside. So I think those are issues that we need to definitely focus on or issues. And I think that one way of focusing on issues is looking at our history. There have been issues put forth um, from our past leaders, uh, Kwame Torrey, uh, Malcolm X, Marcus Garvey, any and we need to focus in on what type of problems that they was having. Generally, we'll find that those problems exist with us today and find out what solutions they have for those problems. I know generally in history, any time that we became uh, of the mindset where we want to gain actual power, they came and have knocked us down. So looking at history and trying to find solutions on how we better organize will be a better a better way. Now, um, you, you said you didn't really have any, you didn't want to discuss any solutions. Um, what about comparisons to the lynchings in the 20s to now the self-lynchings? Can you tell us a little bit about the history and how this transition took place? The self-lynchings is, is in what do you mean? Um, you know, the murders, gun violence. Okay. Drive-bys. Well, well I, I think there's a combination of a lot of things. I, I, I think, um, first of all, I think that what we see that's going on in Chicago and a lot of places like that where you see a lot of gang violence, you see a lot of, um, a lot of gun violence, you see a lot of black on black crime. Well, first of all, the these folks didn't they don't they don't they don't own gun manufacturers. They aren't flying cocaine and dope into our neighborhoods. They are not um they aren't or not working. Uh, I think a lot of that violence is done because of people are not working, they're in poverty and they're looking for the best way they can to get out. I know one way to combat poverty is for people to go to work. Um, as far as the the self-hatred, that is going to be prevalent in any poverty situation. Um, now, one thing that we do know, there is gentrification that's going on in Detroit and Chicago. It has happened in D.C., it has happened in Harlem, New York, and different places like that. We have gentrification going on in just about every urban city in America, and one of the first aspects of gentrification is crime. Reason being is because they let the crime get so bad where that uh, they have to step in and form a solution. So they create a problem. And then they come and solve the problem. And one of the ways of solving the problem is being there to gentrify, to change over the buildings and do a lot of the things. One of the first things that they did in Chicago was close schools. Um, and, of course, that's going to lead to a big crime rate. But as you can see now in New York, 
um, in Harlem, you will not recognize it. We can go down here in D.C. right now today in H Street, and you would not recognize D.C. H Street. It's it's totally different. It's not. It's no longer a chocolate city. So these are. This is what I foresee coming with Detroit. The crime is high. Things seem real bad, and then subsequently they're going to introduce charter schools, which is another way to take money out the school system for the uh, public schools and those that can't afford it or doesn't have access, then they will come in and, and gentrify the location. But crime is just the first wave of gentrification. As far as the self-hatred, that's just a a mindset of people poverty-stricken. They're trying to live. They feel like they have no way out. They feel like they have no hope. It's funny because I uh, co-wrote a play called Harlem Whitewash, and we talk about um, just what you said. Um, we we haven't talked about those um, the effects of it, which you're right on point. But you know, we touch on um, why you think it's happening, and um, I think um, you're you know you're on point with uh, the self hatred comes from, you know, the value when someone comes in and say and says to you, you know, we're willing to change and improve the neighborhood. Not for you, but for someone who doesn't look like you. You know, that could be mm. um you know, that that can have a psychological effect on you. you yeah, know, so and that's that's exactly what they're saying. You know, we're willing to make improvements but not for you. You're not worthy. You know, we don't value you, right. but other minorities that come in, uh, we allow them to um, to have any any kind of illegal businesses. We'll look the other way to make sure they prosper. Mm-hmm. We'll make sure that they are able to uh, work under the table and mm-hmm. collect all sorts of benefits, government benefits, at the expense of the working poor in that neighborhood. Um, mm-hmm. So we're really financing the encroachment um, era, and the gentrification. So it's important, you know, that you put that in its proper context, that um, all of these things, this negative propaganda, this military-style propaganda, has some sort of effect on us. And Dr. Omar Johnson, he is a psychiatrist or psychologist. I don't know which one, but he is. You're right, um, a psychiatrist. He's a psychiatrist. And he understands what's happening um, to the mindset when you are conditioned with the advertisements, as you mentioned earlier, all throughout your neighborhood, alcoholic advertisements. One thing that really annoys me when we have something, a pro-black event, and you look at the advertisers are all um, alcohol and, you know, things that are bad for us. I'm going to let you continue on. What are other posts that you shared on Facebook that was very popular and that you were shocked to see some reactions? Sometimes when you put a post up, you think it's a positive post and you're going to get positive um, comments, and then some (laughs) people will say something, you know, outlandish. (laughs) So can you share any of your experiences similar to that? Sure. Um, I guess one of my most popular post was one I had with um is 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 
it's actually dealing with um, uh, a history that coming over while in the boats of slave passage. Uh, when we was coming over in the boats, being brought over, shipped over, it, we stopped over in in Haiti for what we call seasoning. I, I shared a post called uh, Buck Breaking and mm-hmm. the history in Buck Breaking. And that had been shared over a 1,000, almost 1,500 times now, um, just shared between people. I didn't think it would be that big of a post, but it was. And it seemed that a lot of people didn't understand it. And Buck Breaking was a form of, um, it was a, um, the slave master would go and get the toughest slave, and um, they called them a buck, uh, being that they were probably big in stature and strong. Uh, they would uh, most likely be the most rebellious, and um, the slave master would make an, set an example with him. So he would set his family, his son, his wife, his daughter, and put them in the front row to watch it. The slave master would then probably get a an overseer, usually black, and whoop him, whoop him until he was weak and could not fight back. After he, of course, they would sling him up on the tree and slash him a couple times. So and they would cut him down after he's beaten and down and and downtrodden. They would uh, place this buck over a a stump. And uh, the slave master would have then would have invited uh, different slave masters from different plantations and invited them to watch. But then what they would do is they would sodomize sodomize this buck uh, in front of his wife, in front of his kids, his son, especially because he's going to grow up probably to be a buck. So they wanted to instill that fear into them. They want, especially the black woman. They wanted to instill a fear into her, so she can then teach the subsequent children that she may have. Um, and that was a part of history that a lot of people did not know about. And they was, um, you know, they a lot of people liked that post. Okay, so you didn't get any backlash. You didn't get any negative backlash from that post. No, I didn't get any negative backlash, not from that particular post. Okay. It was just that um, people was telling me that they did, they knew it was disgusting, but they didn't know how bad, you know, they went to actually break slaves. And, well, the the, the, the positive spin on, it, on that particular post is that we were very hard to so-called break. It wasn't easy. I mean, you know, they had true. to go through, you know, that says a lot about, our fortitude and our character because, you know, we are portrayed as, you know, we we just got on the slave ship willingly and, you know, we were meek and weak and we just got on the slave ship because somebody read some scriptures to us from the Bible and we fell for mm-hmm. it and we were just dumb <laughs> and we just was converted to Christianity and we became slaves without any type of resistance. And we right. still are, and you know, when Christianity is still part of that tradition that we just weep, you know, the Bible did this. And then when you hear the truth that, look, these people had to come with, come up with all sorts of contraptions and they had to use all their numbers. Everybody in the neighborhood, in the community, if they had a slave or not, had to be a part of bucking this this one black man, you know. 
Um, right. So it says a lot that had to be done. That's why it's an institution, because it wasn't easy to enslave us. You know, they had to go back centuries to look up books and find out how to enslave us. So um, it says right. a lot about our character. Um, and as you know from looking on my page, I very rarely put those type of negative um, images up. I know we have to share it, and I'm glad there are people like you who do take care of that part of history. But I like to show our victories and not our miseries because a lot of people that are outside of our race, they get a lot of joy and pleasure out of carrying on that legacy um, of our miseries. And what I try to do is show our victories, not just our victories, but to also show a map to how we obtain these victories so that we can replicate them and duplicate it, our, our um, ancestors, you know. So, mm. you know, if you don't know, if you're not exposed to the truth, how do you know to imitate it, you know? So when I, talk about the, when I talk about the Underground Railroad and I share stories that they would never be shared in the classroom because they don't want us to know. They don't want us to know right. how we were free, that we were outwitting the so-called slavers. Um, and we did stick together, and the so-called Uncle Toms were doing positive things and where they were leaders, but they didn't uh, brag about it. You know, they kept everything clandestine. <laughs> you know, that would have been yep. foolish for them to say, this is what I'm going to do, I'm going to run away tonight, or this song means that we're going to escape. So, um I really do appreciate you coming on tonight. Uh, are there any parting words, um, any advice for uh, people like yourself who are inspired by uh, social media and bringing positive content and uplifting our people? Any yeah. books I you think, want to share, uh, YouTube? Yeah. Okay. Well, this this currently my, my book for the month, this month is going to be Black Power, and that was written by Kwame Tori. Um, I have yet to get my order. My order is supposed to be coming in this week, and I will be getting that, and I will start posting different excerpts from that book. Um, but I ex- em- implore, you know, all Africans that's living here in America to learn something a day and hopefully share that with somebody else, and that way we can each one of us can learn to help another. Great. Now, before you go, you did mention a book club. How can someone join your book club? And I like to see men, black men, having book clubs and being participants and leaders. So tell okay. us more about your um, book you can club. Do it. Okay. Well, my book club is called Black Literacy, and it is it is basically, it's, of course, as you know, it's focused on black people. <laughs> the... Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the 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 what this book club is about is about uh, it's a mission to promote pr- promote African American literacy and expand members' uh, personal literacy experience to by reading quality works written by authors of Black African descendants and uh, we just want to um, increase our our reading uh, that's one thing that I wanted to do I felt like I wasn't reading enough. And I felt like if I had people uh, like me reading things like me that we can correspond about it, I would become a lot more interested. Um, 
I like to read, but I I don't like to read for long periods of time. So sometimes I need to be tasked with the objective of of finishing something, and this was one way of doing that to start a book club. But you can search uh, Facebook. It's called Black Literacy, and um, and I will be happy to accept anybody that would like to join to uh, to read more. Okay. Now give us your the name, your name, and the spelling of your name, and then we'll close. Okay. Okay. Well, my name is Labamba. Uh, Camara Abrafo. It's called Gifted Warrior Teacher. That's the meaning of it. But the spelling of my name is going to be L M. I'm sorry, L U M U M B A. Camara. It's going to be C A M A R A. Abrafo. It's going to be A B R A F O. Wonderful. Thank you for uh, coming on. Um, we appreciate your just freedom. And I would love to have you back on to continue uh, my conversations. I'll be watching your posts. And anytime I see anything um, that I think we should have you on to discuss, we will. All right? Thank you, Leslie. I appreciate it. All right. Have a good night. Bye-bye. You too.